we're getting the end of the theme music. Maybe we can start oh, yeah. the theme music again. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Hang in there, everyone. <laughs> Hold that thought. I know, right? <laughs> there we go. Yeah. I want you to hear this, right? That's a jam. Yeah. things less awkward well oh my goodness welcome welcome Cassidy Pope thank you for having me what the heck and first of all um let's <laughs> shout out I know it's so good we want to play it again <laughs> want to shout out to my friend Julius Wilder who composed and produced yes. the culture cast intro song so thank you dude you know me so well and you were feeling the bass right nailed it yeah I loved and then, it and like this the, the, the different like stages of the conversation yeah actually happening yeah, yeah. it's like a good dynamic in that little, yeah. little clip that was so anyway awesome. thank you Julius for doing this I so appreciate it and oh my gosh thank you Cassidy for being here thank you for having me I love when we can do a live literally live and in person yeah I also want to do one more shout out. So to everybody who is watching, we'll occasionally look at you because we know comments might be coming through. Hi. And then we'll be, of course, talking to each other. But we are actually sitting here live in person in Nashville. Yeah. Right. So you're here in the Ville. Yeah. Um, secondly, we are so close to Music Row. I don't know anyone can tell this background. We are sitting in this place called The Hideout, which originally is in the basement of Waylon Jennings' home. So <laughs> Waylon Jennings' home is right above us. Yeah. He built out the studio for himself to record. It's awesome, too. It's so cool. I wish you all can take a tour, but we are sitting in the podcast studio at The Hideout, and um, it is this vibe yeah. that is the history of Nashville, mm -hmm. I think. And if you're an artist and you want to record or if you want to get your photo done, yeah, um, there's a little bit of a lot going on here and there's a lot of history and you can only sense a little bit from looking at the camera. Yeah. yeah. A lot of textures. I mean, the right? studio is amazing. There's, yeah. yeah, a lot of lot of opportunities to create stuff in here. Yeah. And it's I cool. think you totally match. You totally match. Thank you. Vibe, right? I, I wish I could say I planned it. But I know. I didn't who know. knew? <laughs> but I mean, speaking of, you know, Nashville, I think for many of you who know you, knew you before Nashville, but having been here for the past 10 plus years, what does it mean for you to be kind of hanging out in history? It's cool. Uh, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, I feel like I'm always, I'm so fortunate to find myself in these, these positions sometimes where I'm like, 
wait, I need to take a second and realize where I am right now. Yeah. You know, like um, I've played the Opry and the Ryman and these like historical Amazing. places here that I'm just I have to make sure I remind yeah. myself what's happening. So it's cool to be here. Yeah, I so appreciate you being here, Cassidy. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, my goodness, we're going to talk about culture. Mm -hmm. And how are you going to get someone who is an icon in pop culture and country culture and I'd say <laughs> pop punk and emo like all of that like <laughs> I, how does that also apply into communities in the workplace and I know we'll get there so yeah. for everyone just as a reminder if this is your first time watching or listening to a culture cast it is about meeting with phenomenal leaders across industries talking about your story and your experience and how to how you got your pathway to success but in doing so the environments that you created to help bring others along. And mm. I think in what you do as an artist, there's so many applications as I just nerd out about you and your background mm. and how you've done that. And so before we jump into Hey Monday, like before the very beginning, <laughs> yeah. like, let's just hear your story. Like, how did you get onto this pathway of becoming an artist? So oh, wow. Talk about growing up, like all of that. Yeah, yeah. sure. I So I grew up in West Palm Beach, Florida. Um, my sister took voice lessons oh. and she's about, she's almost four years older than I am. She had to stop taking them for a few weeks because she had, um, her adenoids removed. So oh, she, no. she had to heal. Yeah. Uh, but the voice coach that was teaching her, um, was traveling from Jacksonville to West Palm beach to teach her. And she, st she had other students there as well. So she was like, well, Cassidy, would you want to take her place for a few weeks and see if you like it? And so... I did. I fell in love. I was four years old. I was like... You were four years old taking voice lessons? Yeah. Okay. That was That's when... That's adorable, actually. I, yeah. <laughs> I sounded like a chipmunk. If you think I have a high voice now, yeah. just imagine. Um, and I just was like, I fell in love with it. I kept doing it. Um, fast forward years later the rock scene in West Palm Beach was just so fun and yeah. all that we had so many great local bands and a lot of bands that were coming through like major label bands coming through to these tiny venues in West Palm so I fell in love with rock music because um, I actually grew up singing country oh um, I didn't know that yeah okay so like the first genre I learned to sing on was country and then the band thing started and I was like yeah. "Ooh, bands are cool I yeah. love rock music and Avril was huge and I was like I want to yes, be her right and then got into the band thing started um started a band at the time called Blake which is my middle name oh. and um odd because that comes in later in your life I know. yeah it's weird. Yeah, yeah it's very weird <laughs> um and uh when that band got discovered we were at a music conference in Atlanta I was at the time I was 16 and um we got discovered by an anr uh from columbia and he came down scouted us in west palm we played a couple of shows there decided he wanted to fly us to new york city to showcase for columbia at 16 years old yeah amazing yeah um and i actually side note went to the same conference a year earlier and um, got signed to a development deal at 15. Oh, jeez. That um, didn't go quite okay. well, so I got out of that. But um, the real, the yeah, the real achievement was the next one. And um, 
we ended up making some member changes in the band because there were a couple members in Blake that my managers at the time like put in the band that I I was like, oh, I don't know them. Like, this is weird. I want to play in the band with my friends. And they they turned out to not be great managers. So, oh, no. Um, Yeah. Like a lawsuit and stuff happened. That's not good. I know. Right. I feel like I've lived 10 lives. Um, But so I ended up that Columbia were like, put the rest of the band together and we're going to we're going to do this. And so hit up a couple people from my high school that I'm friends with or I was friends with and we did the band we went to New York City did our album Um, we called it Hey Monday and um, we toured we got signed also to Pete Wentz's label um, from Fall Out Boy he had a he has a label called Decadence so Columbia and Decadence did a thing for us Fall Out Boy took us on like a world tour we toured for like two years straight the third year we were a band were when things started to kind of fall apart. Our record label, A&R, left. We got a new label president. People weren't as excited about us. We weren't getting many tours. Yeah. The, the actual, like, pop punk scene, like yep. the, the the emo scene at the time, was starting to kind of fizzle out. Things were changing. Yeah. And um, and so I just I left. I was like, I'm going to go solo. I'm going to see if I can do this on my own. Moved to L.A. at um, 20 years old. Oh, wow. From West Palm. Um, that's a big change. Really yeah, big change. I grew up in LA, so I, oh. I mean, yeah. But the it whole was, yeah. 562 Long Beach scene still kind of played into that whole pop punk, I think. Like, For sure. Right? Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. I mean, one of my favorite bands, Blink-182, is, yes. is from San Diego. So, like, the, I mean, California has, um, I, I think, don't they, isn't Taking Back Sunday from there I think as well? So. I think so, yeah. Some of my favorite bands. So, um, yeah, going to LA, pursuing a solo thing. The first year I was there didn't go well. Um, a lot of people from the Hey Monday days said they'd help me out, and they didn't. So I kind of got ghosted by a bunch of people. When you brought them into the Hey Monday to begin with after Blake, <laughs> which is wild. What's Ye- up with that? Well, yeah, yeah like like label people and ma- okay. other managers yeah. who were like, yeah, come to L.A. and I'll help you out, and then they didn't. So mm-hmm. that was tough. But um, The Voice approached me to audition because they scout people all the time. Yeah. And they had heard that I left the band. Um, they they asked me to do it the year before, and I said no because I was still in the band, and I didn't want to do the voice. Oh. So fast forward a year later, I went solo. I was struggling. I was broke. Um, it was a really hard time, and I was like, fine, I'll do it. And I won. Amazing. <laughs> My coach was Blake Shelton. I know, and actually everyone wanted to be your coach, right? Like the, everyone turned for you. Yeah, that was wild. Yeah. That was crazy. And yeah. everyone thought I was going to choose Adam because he's in a band and yeah. I come from a band. But I didn't choose Blake because of the genre that he did. I chose him because of how he coached his his artists. He's yes. very he was always letting people do their thing. He yep. was like, he would advise you, but he wouldn't have you do some song that you've like, that you, you've never heard of or that like, that's not the genre that I want to do. Why yeah. are you making me sing? He, so he let people be comfortable, which is like well, what I, I think wanted to do. The way I saw it, I know I'm such a, I, I'm a nerd. I'm going to say this about The Voice. I remember when it first came <laughs> out because you were early on, like you were talent that came on. I think it was like two or three season seasons. Three. Okay, season mm-hmm. three. Um, and that's when like the voice really was becoming huge. It so crazy. it's interesting hearing your story, which I do want to unpack a little bit before we jump into, you know, this amazing coach that you had at the voice who, what I saw him do with you and with others, it's, it's like, choose something that you like mm-hmm. and regardless of genre, but make it your own. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like 
and the personality of who that artist is kind of came through and, and that's kind of what it looked like with yeah. him and as much as he joked around about you know being a, a country boy whatever yeah such a good human being and you can see that he yeah, yeah. He's, he just kind of nurtures and he helps create a space for you to feel safe in and and I chose every song that I did except for one he chose for me called stand by Rascal Flats because yeah. it was like a part of the show like the coach gets to choose a song yeah, yeah, yeah. but everything else I chose myself and you're right he totally let me take take the reins and do my thing with all the songs which is was so important to me coming from a band where I wrote everything I'm I'm an artist yeah. I write my songs and now I'm on a show where I'm singing covers like That's it was hard yeah, yeah so I was like any opportunity I could show my artistry I, I took um so after the show came to Nashville I had the actually I had the choice to either oh. do pop or country oh you did I okay did. so how did you lean back into country I guess with because you That's, that was hard it was country yeah I yeah I didn't know that my first that. Yeah. yeah and people didn't and they were really confused when I went yeah. country but um I I chose country because it was it was 2012 when I won the, what was happening in Nashville was so yeah. cool to me. That was when Florida Georgia Line was blowing up. Yeah. Taylor Swift was going pop. Um, the band Perry had crossed over with yeah. If I Die Young. And all these people, by the way, were on the label that I would be on if I went okay. country. So I was like, I'm going to Nashville. And in, and, and in pop, there was a, like a kind of a dance thing happening. And I've never really done yeah. the dance. I've never, I'm not like a dance artist. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't see myself in that genre. So I came to Nashville and it was great. Um, for for like a year, um, I was kind of the new shiny thing, yeah. and the label were really excited. The first song did really well, and um, and then when it was time to have the second single, it didn't go quite as fast because yeah. I wasn't the new winner from the yeah, voice. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, at country radio, it wasn't like you know it didn't fly up the chart like the first one did. So it started to become this really this really tough environment for me kind of hmm. being questioned by ever, of the team about like why am I not working why is this not working yeah. and it's maybe it's her maybe it's her voice maybe it's the songs maybe it's and it started to really be tough so um there was a, a good two years around that yeah that after that first year and like 2014-15 where I didn't release new music and I was just kind of stuck and like shelved basically. Wow. I think though it that happens not just mm -hmm. for artists but I think where people are in their journey and in wherever they are in their career sometimes you have to take a a pause. Yeah. to then f um get grounded back into who you are and what um what you're all about to then release that energy that is you. But I I want to mm -hmm. go back to how groundbreaking I think about culture in general. Mm -hmm. So um, I think I told you I grew up in L.A. And all of my career, I've worked in these very large companies. Yeah. And I remember early on for me, I worked at a, I'm not going to say the name, but a Fortune 25 company. And I'm like, wow, if this is what it's like to work in corporate America, I never want to work for a large company <laughs> again. Yeah. Because it's such a weird culture. Yeah. And like the way I felt like I was treated being young and new in my career also not looking like anybody else mm -hmm. because of, you know, my hair color, skin color, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then, like, of course, I've always liked to express myself the way I dress. And there's always a way, too, you have to dress and act a certain way. Sure. You know, and so I learned that growing up, and it's all the stereotypical things. I always, I'll bring up the word diversity in a very obvious way. But I feel like 
in business in general, and you've been in the music business, mm -hmm. I think um, to be a female anything, breaking through and leading, mm -hmm. which is what you did. So let's just go all the way back. All right. So mm -hmm. pop punk. Yeah. You know, Hey Monday. Okay. This is a mainstream in culture band. The only other kind of female led pop punk band. There's another one, right? Paramore, yeah. right? And you. Yeah. So what's that like to kind of set that scene in um, an industry? And again, I, I don't know since I didn't grow up in it, but probably not unlike what corporations were growing up. It was very male dominated. It was. So what was that like for you? Yeah. I mean, I think because I hadn't I hadn't done any sort of soul searching. Yeah. I was 18 um, when I was like actually on the road and when I was surrounded by all these boys and I, it was before I really was was I don't know I before I thought critically you know because I hadn't done the looking inward and being like you know I, I shouldn't be ashamed of being a woman out yeah. here with these guys I should and I shouldn't also feel special that I'm the only woman out here with these guys I that should make me mad like I wasn't thinking that way yeah um and so when I was younger I was just like this is cool I must be special because yeah. I'm the only girl out here and yeah but then I would also in the same breath get kind of annoyed when I would be compared to Haley Williams because we were different but it was such an easy comparison because sure. we're both women and we I mean they and the only really out there yeah, I mean yeah. we were the only ones like a couple of the only ones that were being embraced but there were so many like uh, we are the in crowd they had a female fronted singer yeah. they uh pr pretty reckless um um versa emerge automatic love letter like there were a lot but there were they just and i think there's a level of that still happening now where yeah. they focus on like a couple at a time and and i felt like i might have been one of those at that moment yeah. and um I didn't have I didn't have the skills or the the mindset of like this is wrong. Yeah. Um because I would be asked weird things like what's the most embarrassing girl thing that's happened to you on tour? It's like what? Right. What do you mean like girl thing? Right. <laughs> it's like what do you you just ask what's the most embarrassing thing in yes. general? Um so I'd get questions like that that would tilt my head a little bit, but I just didn't have that the critical thinking yet. Um and yeah, I mean I felt a, a tremendous amount of pressure to not be too high maintenance to to be one of the guys to not cause too much of a fuss and a lot of it has to do with my upbringing and just I went to a Catholic school growing up and um, my dad left when we were yeah. really young so like a lot there are a lot of things that contributed to that but it was weird and I'm now it's like a whole other person but um, I feel like I'm way more equipped to lead right now. <laughs> well I think it's interesting that you raise that because you're right I think out of two women who were sick young women who were significantly in the scene and it was a much broader scene mm -hmm. but again you're talking to someone who is like okay mainstream and I can see that right totally. and not everyone else sees that yeah. um I'm going to bring up a terminology that became super popular after the murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and diversity became big at least in corporations back in 2020 not too long ago mm. with like well, the microaggressions right mm -hmm. so it's kind of like oh well what's your most embarrassing female female thing? You're like, what are you talking about, right? <laughs> so I think, you know, for those of you who still are trying to understand the definition of that, it's like when you have this assumption or a characteristic about a person, a culture, whatever that you think you know, and you kind of force that onto somebody in, mm -hmm. in that innocent question. Yeah. Right? That's that's considered a microaggression, people. And it just so, kind of reminds yeah. you like, oh, oh, I, you see, you're, 
you're aware that I'm like the only woman out here right now. Yeah. And now I'm reminded of that. And now I'm like, oh, I'm I'm othered. I'm I'm uncomfortable yeah. right now. <laughs> but I think so. it's it's so interesting because I think early days you were able to kind of pave the way to make it um more acceptable, especially in a genre like pop punk, to that it's normal for many women to be leading, like the lead singers yeah. in these bands and the writer, all of that. Like mm -hmm. that I think there's so many parallels to business. Yeah. And how um and I know it's just more mainstream today there's more women in the c-suite etc like the percentages are getting better mm -hmm. but are they as quickly right so right yeah and i think like the the numbers are obviously important but like the conversations yes. I, I feel like need to get better because i mean i i love statistics i can't ignore the numbers yeah. but yeah i mean like there are still there are still microaggressions happening and just in general there are still um people aren't being intentional with who they're employing or who they're giving the opportunities to lead. And, and I see it in like, you know, not Kevin Lineman cause he's amazing, but right. certain festival promoters, um, there, there'll be like one or two women on these festivals. It's just like, you can be, you can try harder. I think you, you can find more right? women to put on that bill. I agree. It's so funny. I feel like you and I were having the same conversation. I was being interviewed about like when this law passed, um, mm. for NASDAQ, traded companies where they had to have at 30%, you know, women on boards. Mm. And there was this information out there that, oh, well, they're not available, right? And I was on a major show, I'll just say that. And they were interviewing me and they're like, so what do you think, Marisa? And I'm like, I don't buy that at all. Yeah. They are available. You need to think harder about who your networks are. Yeah. And you need to, the word you used, be more intentional mm -hmm. about your actions. Like yeah. if you're committed to that then do that. And so um, yeah. it's funny that you say that because they are that. And by the way, shout out to Kevin Lyman. So we were all getting ready, just everyone. And <laughs> I need to best. read the comments. But like, oh, yeah. the funny thing is that, of course, I just feel like when you run into people, then of course, you know, other people. And what I mean by that is, Kevin Lyman's such a good person. And mm -hmm. for those of you who aren't familiar, although you should be, he, you know, he founded the Warp Tour, like he created that. Mm -hmm. And the fact that um, I start off with, and the most important thing is, like, he's a good human being. Yeah. Means that you're going to run into other good human beings. And I also don't want to lose track of Blake Shelton because I think there's so many applications, too, with your experience yeah. on The Voice and how he brought the best out of the human that he was coaching. Yeah. So say more th about that because I think there's some great lessons learned from that on how if you're a manager of people or a leader of a large organization – implications for that oh yeah. yeah so say more about that for experience sure. yeah. yeah he's he's just the the way that he was when the cameras were off too that is what stuck with me the most yeah. um he's like I said before very nurturing but um I opened up on the show about my relationship with my dad and it was I, I was met with a lot of just just the reception was yeah. pretty crazy because a lot of people are going through that or have been through that and and then I have this coach who's almost like paternal yeah. you know and so it was like this very cathartic kind of yeah. experience of being able to confide in him about it and in um, in America even though yeah. I was like 
talking into a camera and it didn't register how crazy that is. Yeah. Um, Everyone's in your business. Like yeah. They know what's up. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah and and the, yeah. They, the voice, they caught me on a day where I was especially sleep deprived and they were oh, like, yeah. is there anything about your life that you want to share that maybe people oh, might no. connect with? And like, we're just trying to help you here. Like maybe yeah. share some more of your story. And I was like, damn it okay and then I just started talking about it and next thing I know it's like my major storyline like, oh wow oh great yeah. um because before that it had been about hey Monday and me yeah. leaving so he Blake was so important in that situation because I had a hand to hold during that yeah you know and um and I also Blake was amazing and I'm not trying to um diminish him at all but like also Carson Daly People don't oh, realize. Wow. Yeah, the host, people right? People don't realize that guy, he'll come next to you. He'll put his arm around you. He'll like, he'll just in between commercial breaks, he'll be like, you good? Are you right? You okay. You're, you're doing great. Like, and he'll come back Amazing. and talk to all of us. Like, that's also another person that people don't realize is so important. And, and like a, a, a milestone in that. And yeah. a milestone, but you know, the thing, the, the like a foundation, a foundation like an anchor, <laughs> yeah. right. of that show. Yeah. It's like, it's pretty amazing that, you know, how his effect and, um, and the whole situation. So those two were really important for me during like talking about yeah. that difficult situation. Well, I think it's really interesting that you raise that because I think about the applications to being a manager or a leader and the importance of really seeing and hearing people for who they are, mm -hmm. you know, and if whether you manage one person or you might lead thousands of people, however large your organization is, the beauty of that and really understanding their story is what you're saying. Like, if I think yeah. about how, first of all, you were vulnerable enough, and I got that you were sleep deprived, but to <laughs> share that, right, and that you had a manager, I'm going to call Blake your manager, sure. but he was your coach, right? to actually lean into that mm -hmm. and care about that is what is driving your emotion, you know, your core at that point. Mm -hmm. And really in connecting to that, helping to bring the best out of you yeah. at the same time. For sure. Right? And there, there were a lot of moments too where um, even just to like more aesthetic things like, ah, I don't know, man, like, I don't know if you need to be showing that much skin, like people are like really connecting with you. And there's like, women that are looking up to you yes. and stuff. And like, it's like, I don't know, like, you do that once you've like, done your own career and you do whatever you want. But like, if you're trying to win, maybe just maybe just like play the game just a tiny bit with like, what you're wearing, just so you don't like oh, throw people off. I've a always bit. had that question. Can we I'm gonna ask you anyway. Yeah. So, like, did you get to choose what you wanted to wear? Or did they coach you on what you were going to wear? I got the... to choose everything. Okay. Um, the only time I didn't was, and I'll admit, it was a very risque shirt. It was like a bra with fringe and my whole stomach was out. And it was just, oh, no. it, it, it didn't, it kind of was like out of left field, honestly. I mean, I wasn't dressing yeah. like that, really. I wore t short skirts and yeah. stuff, but it was it was a bit much for, for me. I mean, I wouldn't wear that now yeah. even. And, he w and it just took him back because I think he was like, we all know you as this person and yeah. everyone's falling in love with that person. And this is showing a different side of you, which is cool. Yeah. But maybe if you want to just stay on the track you're on, right. let's win this thing. But yeah, I got to, and, and I got to wear whatever I wanted. The wardrobe team um, actually made a few custom pieces for me. Oh, that's awesome. And the, the la the finale episode or the last couple of 
episodes, I was the only girl. So I got to, like, I got all of the stuff. Right. <laughs> so yeah. I wasn't sharing, you know, the gown selection with yeah, another female. Yeah, you didn't have to, like, and... compete for yeah. uh, that versus that, right? Yeah. It was, like, kind of crazy that I got, like, first pick of all the all the cool clothes. That's amazing. So yeah. you, it is a form of self-expression, too, in terms for of sure. what you got to wear, except for that one questionable fringe bra that you had to wear yeah What's up with that? did someone just say wear this like, no no yeah. they i was i saw it in the in the wardrobe okay. room and i was like oh forget it i'm gonna wear it and then yeah. i got to the stage and people were like oh um <laughs> right <laughs> it's also it's like network tv so yeah. there's that but um i'm glad i'm glad that they kind of got me to change my mind about that i love that <laughs> and then i do want to highlight carson too i'm so glad you brought yeah. him up and that whole role again I'll, I'll say as a manager or a leader too coming alongside mm-hmm. you know your colleague doesn't matter who they are again they don't have to be a peer they can be someone who works with you or on your team and just checking in like that mm-hmm. and that I mean that um, just in being present mm-hmm. and just saying how you doing I've got you like in between takes or during commercial break or whatever yeah. like I think if you play that out in creating cultures inside organizations and in companies, just how important that is, not only for a leader to do that, but for each other yeah. on teams, right? Yeah, yeah, and just to be able, like even just the the fact of like remembering people's names. I mean, I'm, yes. I, f- I feel like that guy probably meets so many people and, yeah. and tons of contestants. I mean, they do two seasons a year now. So I'm just like, how do you even remember all of us, let alone, like check in and have the the bandwidth to yeah. oh I've got to read the teleprompter in like five seconds but I'm gonna check in with you right before it's just it's so cool and and you know I grew up watching him on TRL so well right huge fan well, MTV yeah. OG as well yeah. yeah and I think we also had that connection too because um I never was on TRL with Hey Monday but he heard of Hey Monday and that's awesome. knew about yeah. us and stuff so like there was that connection of coming from we're both like emo kids and stuff so there was that too but yeah I mean I think all it takes is just the effort and the, yeah. just the thought um, and even if it wasn't like you know where he's connecting physically and putting his arm on my shoulder and just being like you yeah. good yeah. even if it was just a look over like good to see you I, that would have been fine too but like something yeah. to just acknowledge that I'm a human being right here going through something crazy and you're acknowledging that that was just amazing yeah I think that's such an amazing story that you share and I think segue a little bit to today and the environment today when people go out into the world and they're trying to make a living they're doing their hustle right working and I was having dinner and she's a a friend you haven't met but her name is Dina Kaplan she had been on Culture Cast she's a meditation guru just such a kind person like the nicest person and one of the things we always talked about during COVID and then she always quotes me back to me she's like you know because she goes how do you support an organization where you have hundreds of thousands of employees Mm. it's a lot and no one knows what's going on at least we didn't back in 2020 and I said I think at the end of the day it's a mental game like it's a mental game Mm. in terms of yourself and all of these inputs coming in in the world what do you believe what do you not believe but it's all in how you choose to respond to all of it Mm -hmm. and 
you know, back then when we were all learning our way through this thing called COVID and now it's an endemic, not pandemic kind of thing that people can get now, like the flu or whatever. I don't mean to say whatever. It was a big deal. Yeah. But then she said, we just saw her a couple of days ago and she said, now more than ever, and she does, she coaches a lot of global CEOs on, you know, meditation and, and what companies are going through today. And she goes, now more than ever, it's more of a mental game to actually get through post right like now right because of just you know what people what people bring into the workplace Mm -hmm. and so I'm like yeah you're right and and I think and I'll nerd for a little bit but I'll toss it back to you like when people ask the question which should sound like such an old question right now do we go back to the office one to five days a week (laughs) right so there's that and right. then like why you do that, et cetera, and the why. But then there's it's there's this new level of mental wellness that I think needs to be happening that now going back as a leader, that's another thing I think also emotional mental well being mm. that like leaders now need to be in tune with now more than ever. Yeah. It's not just good enough. Sorry, leaders, to be a full on subject matter expert with experience in what you do, whatever your function is. But I think the gift of being an amazing leader and creating amazing culture is actually being in tune with that, like the emotional and mental well being of others. So, how do you react to that when I say that? Right. I love everything you're saying. I mean, I know we spoke about it a tiny bit beforehand, but like I 100% agree. You know, you you can try you can lead a team and be yeah. um sort of flailing me- mentally and not really um you don't know yourself you don't you haven't confronted traumas you haven't figured out yeah. what you believe in you can you can do it and it's going to be a workplace it's not probably not going to be a very um kind um warm environment it's probably going to be a little sterile probably going to be maybe a little volatile depending on how you handle stress but if you figure things out within yourself and you and you don't no one's perfect yeah like you're no one everyone's human yeah you're human like you're not not every ceo is going to be some enlightened you know person but like if you've if you've done the work and you've really looked within yourself you know what what triggers you because I think a lot of times I mean and I know this just from experience before therapy when I was really when I was younger and I was on tour and I was like where am I I'm in Japan this is crazy I'm 18 I I would get triggered by things that my band someone in my band would do or say Mm, yeah and I would act out and I would be I would just I wouldn't know how to reel myself back in because I had these things with like my parents divorce and whatever just things from my childhood and now that I've confronted all of that I feel like I can be a better leader and I can I can be empathetic and I can also have boundaries that's another thing um and I know I'm like going on a tangent here but go but I do (laughs) I do feel like sometimes people bosses and whoever um they don't have boundaries with their employees and and it doesn't mean you can't be friends and and just like check in on people but um you can't lean on them to take care of you and your mental health they can't be your substitute dad or your substitute you know significant other you have they at the end of the because because at the end of the day they can go and leave and work for someone else and while that would suck and hurt your feelings 
um, your world shouldn't crumble because of it. Right. You know, it should be like, I understand you're, you're growing your business or whatever. Um, and you know, good luck with everything. So it's just like getting your head straight and, and at least being on the path to, to becoming a more fulfilled human being and just knowing who you are. I, I, I feel like it's just, it will make your workplace and your team happier. Yeah, I agree with you. I know you and I kind of touched on this a little bit before we went on air, but I think about, um, you know, I've had the chance to support all these organizations and have these crazy brands and amazing cultures, but at the end of the day, it's personal. Yeah. And what I mean by that, it really starts with me, with you, right? Mm -hmm. Like, who am I and what do I believe in? Yeah. And, you know, what do I stand for? And and everyone knows these statistics, especially those of you who are here on... um, LinkedIn, and I know mm-hmm. I can't read all of the comments that are coming up, but like, um, I think, you know, what's driving this next generation that is already in the workplace, the Gen Z and now mm-hmm. Gen Alpha is coming in, mm-hmm. and even um, the millennial generation, hey. you know, right? I, so you think about that, and it is about this purpose driven, right? That it's like, not just does the company have a great purpose, but do I believe in it? Yeah. Right. And I think that belief, again, starts with self-belief and, like, what are your values and do what are, like, what you're all about? Is that tied to this organization? Because if so, great, that's in sync. Mm-hmm. And I think when you can help unlock that in people, I agree with you. You're, you're not going to play, I'm not going to play the role of mom or dad yeah. to somebody. But what I can be is a good human being yeah. and be aware that not only are they bringing their skills to bear, you know, they're thinking, great thinking into the organization, but they're bringing their overall emotional, mental well-being. Yeah. And so, and For I sure. think that's really important that, you know, and I, I'm glad that you kind of pointed that out because it's wild today. You know, I'll tangent a little bit. I'll go with you. But like, <laughs> I don't get it. And I, and, you know, I was, again, going back to my friend Dina, we were having dinner and I go, yeah, it's weird. It's even socially weird today think about like the workplace and whether the workplace is virtual or you're in person occasionally you're dealing with this kind of mental wellness that needs to emotional wellness as well that needs to happen yeah but um you know i think people have gotten more socially awkward (laughs) yeah over the last couple of years right for sure yeah yeah there's something i i think people uh, i don't know like i think people worry about how they're seen by the other person in the situation sometimes because I I know thinking back yeah. when I felt like oh that wasn't like my my best interaction with someone it, that was like those times where I was in my head or I'm backstage at a um um a awards show yeah. and I'm like oh my god wait where do I have to be where do I have to be and then my interaction wasn't great with somebody and yeah. it was on me like I feel like people sometimes do that or or they're just not talking to you for the right reasons and it's like how right. can I what can I get from you yeah Which isn't I know good. yeah I, I'll share this really quick story and it, it does relate because I've also experienced the same feeling in the workplace right mm-hmm. so we were at in New York, and I see that Roger is on here, my friend Roger. What's going on, dude? Hey. Anyway, he was here at the same thing that we were at, and um, it was a mixed group of friends. So my husband and I, Michael, we had our friends, and then our friends had their friends there, and some they some of them didn't know each other. Yeah. And so we come across someone I didn't know, right? Mm-hmm. And he didn't know me, clearly. And he <laughs> was like, 
oh, well, I want some champagne. And for those of you who know me, I love champagne. That's like my thing. And I thought, well, there's going to be a lot of people. Let's go ahead and order a bottle. And that way we'll never run out, right? Like that kind of thing. And if someone wants some, they are more than welcome, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, this dude walks up. I won't say his name. Walks (laughs) up and he goes, well, I'm going to have some of that champagne. And the server was amazed. She goes, well, this is actually Marisa's champagne, but let me ask her, right? So I'm standing right next to him. And I go, oh, yeah, I did get a bottle of champagne, but if you'd like some, you're more than welcome. And I said, go ahead and get him, like, pour him a glass, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. She pours the glass, and then I I look to at least have a minute or two conversation with him because I'd never met him. Yeah. Because he goes, I'll have the group champagne. She says, this is not group champagne. <laughs> and so he gets a glass, and he thanks her. And so he's about to walk away, and I'm like, hey, dude, what's your name? <laughs> right? So he tells me his name, and I'm like, oh, how do you know our friends? It was just so uncomfortable. And he, like, it couldn't even stick around for a minute or two to have a conversation. Not that I'm saying, hey, thank me, but, like, I think that's odd. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's odd. Especially after finding out that it's the you're paying for the yeah. bottle and it's like yeah you can have some of the bottle i, I bought right <laughs> and so i share that very mainstream story and you're right now i've got to consider the the shoes he was walking in and i will give some grace uh, that maybe it was an awkward moment for him right and I he was like been. i don't even know what to say about this yeah. but then i think i have seen that play over in the workplace not that we're serving champagne to each other in the workplace <laughs> unless we're kate spade because that was a thing <laughs> Um, but like, that's fun. I think, yeah, I think that's what's showing up today. Yeah. Like in, so forget the champagne part, but this whole, how are people connecting? Yeah. I mean, I, I honestly, I've, I've seen it too. And the only thing yeah. that I can, I can think of is we've had a weird couple of years, yeah. um, three years. We uh, rely on social media and our devices more than ever. And I, I don't know, maybe people who had an issue with, with um, social awareness before yeah. COVID, maybe maybe the, sh- the lockdown and stuff made it worse or something. I don't know. But I've, I've seen it, too. Yeah. And um, it's unfortunate. Like, I, 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 I'm, I think I've gotten better at meeting people and realizing, oh, okay. There might be like neurodivergence, like that kind of thing. Yes. Like that, there's stuff at play that I am not educated on that I've learned about over the years that I'm like, okay, that person's not being cold towards me. This is yes. their baseline. This is where they live. So like, I'm just not going to take it personally. And so that's been helpful for me. But there are still times where I, I have an interaction and I'm like, well, that wasn't very nice. Yeah. Oh, I hear you, though. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, the whole neurodivergence, neurodiversity. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a former colleague of mine. She's kind of gone off on her own. And then she wrote this amazing article on neurodiversity. Mm. And I know that she lives with it. But then she brought that into the workplace and what people need to be considering. Yeah. And you're you're spot on in terms of like, oh, people need to understand that everyone doesn't react just like you. Yeah. They don't think uh, process exactly just like you. Mm-hmm. And I think you're you're raising a good kind of another theme around inclusiveness. Yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. how that I think is so important in culture these days, especially with the weird few years that we've all been through, like what it means to be inclusive. And I heard this amazing story about you and I'm going to share it with you now. So um, I work with a friend that you know, Portia, mm-hmm. and she met you at EMO Night Brooklyn. I think you guys were in LA. And yeah. 
Um, no, or maybe you were somewhere else. I, I don't think know we were in LA. Was in LA. Okay. Yeah. And how one of your fans like mm. showed up with mm-hmm. his mother, right? Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think he was on the spectrum. I'm I'm assuming yes. he was, right? Mm-hmm. And how he is a big Cassidy Pope, like country fan, and here he is an emo night. Yeah. Didn't care the genre, but he cared because you were there. Yeah. Right. And the fact that he and his mom found you and the the um graciousness and the kindness that I heard that you were just like so present, so engaged, mm. you know, with him. Yeah. And again, I think that's another lesson in just human decency, but also bring that into the workplace. Yeah. You know, so the yeah. whole presence and you didn't know him from anyone other than he knew you, right? Yeah. Yeah. And well, so- I don't know. I mean, I think obviously I'm not like the, I, I don't, I don't run an office and yeah, stuff. Yeah, so it's yeah, yeah. different, but like I do try to make sure that I'm whatever the environment is at my shows, I don't have a lot of control over an emo night or, yeah, yeah, yeah. or people's accessibility to getting in the show and stuff. But I, tr- I really hope that my music is, is accessible and, and I'm accessible to any type of fan, like any type of person. Yeah. So I don't, I don't see, like, I don't have interactions with people that come to my shows who, um, you know, might not be as uh, socially um, outgoing as I am. I don't see them as weird or like, oh, that was, I don't want to talk to this person. It's just like there are people that are different than you out there. And you just, you know, like once you just realize that and you realize, oh, I don't know all the different types of people there could be. I actually, I haven't even scratched the surface probably. Um, Then you just, you have empathy and you just like, I don't know, just cool i met a new person right it's a I love new it. different person you know? i think it's this whole notion of inclusivity and i'm going to take it further too i love talking about co-creation and culture and how you invite others and i thought you did a really cool thing i don't think your new song is out yet but i saw that you did a cool thing where you invited people to write handwritten yes. letters can you talk about about their experience as it relates to recovery and mm-hmm. so can you share more about that yeah, yeah for sure that was um so it's funny that song was gonna come out this year but I've I've nudged it to next year okay. but it's okay. I, I mean it's fine because like yeah. I've, I've obviously asked people to write in about it um but I'm really excited about this song and it's such a dear song to my heart it's about being the person that's um watching a loved one just kind of spiral and 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 struggle with addiction and so I asked people to send me handwritten notes um of their experience it's either your your um struggle with addiction a family member a friend maybe you've lost someone maybe you're in recovery like and um I got I got like a hundred um letters um which was awesome and um, I printed them out. They're going to be in a music video that I shot. And, no way. Um, you know, it's just, it was like, it was really therapeutic for me to get these notes in because I've, I've had people in my life that I love, um, that have struggled with that and substance abuse. So I felt like, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. And, um, some of the stories were so heartbreaking and all of them were, but some more than others that I just like, Man, I I feel lucky that I ha- I have yeah. this person still in my life that struggles with it, but some people don't can't say the same. So that was really special to be able to like, I don't know, feel like I'm less alone, but also like get to know my fans yes. on a deeper level. Yep. Like at a meet and greet for you know two minutes, you're talking to someone. Rarely do they bring up 
their mother who yeah. overdosed when they were younger or whatever. Like rarely do they bring up something like that. And so I felt like, wow, this is a really special opportunity to get to know people more. That's really cool. And I love, you know, I'll highlight the co-creation, the fact that you're inviting people into your creative process, right? Mm-hmm. So you're here you are. Um, you've written the song, which now will come out next year, and <laughs> you've invited people to tell their stories. Would they feel like they're part of helping to shape this creation of yours, right? Yeah. And I think that's really important, too, when I think about culture mm. and how when you invite people just to share what they think and what their experience is. And although all of it may not show up, the fact that they are listened to, like that they're heard yeah. and that they feel included and, in, oh, I'm going to be part of this, yeah. right? She, yeah. and it's the whole notion of the invitation to do that, mm-hmm. I think, is, I think, the key to co-creation. Yeah. Like, it's not going to happen on its own. As a leader, you're going to do that. And so... I thought that's a cool application, seeing it from yeah, your your eyes, but then how you as leaders can mm. also do that. And mm-hmm. I'm realizing, um, I'm just trying to make sure that we are tracking with comments and <laughs> with time, so I'm hoping someone can just let us know how we're doing. Um, yeah, how we doing here? Yeah. I love... Oh, Trisha Follett, look at this. Oh, that's... Okay. I love that. I love hearing that Blake is a kind human being like we see. Also, Carson Daly. I remember oh. watching Cassie on The Voice and loved her season. Thank oh you. Oh, Everyone loves you. Um, <laughs> and I want to say, too, and I want to jump into kind of coming back to your roots, right? Yeah. So, and it's all in this theme of being clear about who you are. Um, and I think it's really important. Let's talk about like what's going on next with you and how mm. you are coming. You're already back into your roots, like the decision yeah. to do that, how you're feeling about that. What's going on? So I, tell me that. Oh, my God. I yeah. feel so, so at home, so excited. Um, I just feel like it's a part of me has been unlocked again because okay. I was 18 when I was doing this genre. Yeah. And now I'm 34. Yeah. And so it's obviously different. Yeah. But it's I'm reconnecting with that girl who was just so excited and I, I've been excited through different times of my career but it has I'll be honest been a minute um, since I've been like rejuvenated and refreshed oh, and, wow. and that it's felt new because um, I did country music for 10 years um, while a lot of people would say that's not that long um, for me it was because I've yeah. been and doing a third music. of your life yeah hello yeah <laughs> and and just you know I've been like doing music professionally for more than half my life so um, and I think what made me change and go back to my roots with pop punk is it was gradual. It wasn't just one thing. It was yeah. a lot of things. Um, the, the pendulum swings in country music every so often, and it's swinging in a direction I'm not crazy about. Yeah, <laughs> um, okay. So just stylistically um, and also just, like, culturally, it feels like it's it's become a bit more charged, and um, there, are, there are sectors of country music that I absolutely love that – have uh, friends and musicians yeah. and artists that I love that I'm like, yes, that's the kind of country I love. But even that, like I'm, I just, I, I just, I couldn't really see myself doing the genre the way that it's, that it's going anymore. It's, yeah. it's going more traditional. It's going more, um, country and Western they yeah, call yeah, it. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't, I don't really see myself in that genre anymore. And, um, since I've made the switch, there's like this 
thing that unlocked in my brain songwriting wise where I'm able to kind of bring in the things, the skills that I've learned in Nashville yeah. songwriting wise, but I'm, there's no barriers around them. Yeah. So I'm able to, I'm, I can tell a story, which is what I learned here and I can like make it, make it make sense and people follow along in the story, but I can also like use words like blood honestly yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Brand, okay. like things like that I can use that you can't say that in country music right um and cuss and yeah. you know whatever I how I talk like yeah. I can sing these songs like how I speak and um in country music it can sometimes be limiting what you can say you. especially yeah. as a woman as a woman so yeah. it feels good amazing Exciting. and then you just had another that uh, you had another song come out mm-hmm. coma mm-hmm. with taylor acorn now, how do you know taylor like how did you because oh, i'm I seeing this as a reunion right like you know what okay. it's it's funny because i feel like i've i've met her in the past very very quickly and randomly okay. because she had a like a, a tiny little blip of doing country music like a long time ago and um and we've met a lot more since she's gone done the pop punk yeah. thing and now that I'm doing it um, we actually work with this with the same producer Dan Swank oh wow and okay. um, he does all of her stuff so one day um, I was like you know to Dan I was like I want to write with Taylor like she's so good and we wrote Coma it was the first session Amazing. we ever did together we hit it off so well she's just the, a beautiful person and we're so similar in how we navigate this industry yeah. like she is so kind and just chill and yeah. it's like not trying to compete with people she's just trying to yeah. do her thing and have fun and that's we just clicked on that level and um she released the song with with not with me not on it um uh, months ago and it was just her yeah and i was excited to just get a cut yeah. and then she came to me and was like would you sing on it and i could re-release it and it could be like both of our songs yes. and i did and it's just like really resonated and taken off and that's um, so cool really cool yeah. really 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 exciting well I think there's good lessons there too I think about um the role of it's not competition although you are in the same like you're talent in the same space sure yeah and instead of competing it's like how do you elevate each other yeah and I think that's a role that I think people can remember too yeah especially like you know, I think about when more diversity is existing or becomes in the workplace, whether you're a female or, you know, or or whatever, right? Yeah. I mean, LGBTQ plus mm-hmm. or, or uh, um, a certain ethnicity, like you can help elevate each other. Yeah. Right. I mean, and it's yeah. the more we help each other out yeah. and the more we elevate each other, the more people can't ignore it and the more they have to face yes. it because it's like. If we are the only girl on a tour um, and we don't do we don't do anything with that platform or we don't say, hey, I'll do it. But like you should really bring out another female front of bands like is that can you do that? Because that would be beneficial for all of us. Um, Just kind of having those conversations and challenging people like just makes people have to pay attention. I agree. Yeah. And I think it is about make them think harder about it. You've got to ask the question and be intentional. I also want to just talk about the role of music in general. And you mentioned this a few times in our conversation about how the, the art that you've brought to light, you know, in whether it's in pop punk early days, country and now coming back into pop punk, how it resonates with people. Mm. Right. And Mm -hmm. I think um, there's something about music that I think is a common denominator. Yeah. I I don't even, I should think of a better word, but maybe not. But like, I think about the role of culture too. What is that common denominator Mm. that while we're all different, that there's something that's going to 
rally us around something. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so I, I don't know how you feel about that in terms of the role music plays. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I mean, I'm, I'm, there, there's this, that saying like music is, is, as uni universal yeah. language. Like it's so true because I've had the opportunity to tour the world and go to yeah. places where they, um, English is not their first language, but yes. they're singing every word along with me. And, um, and they're feeling it and they're emoting and I can tell it's touching them in such a, a, a amazing way. So I, I love that. And I love that. Like, I don't know, there's some, I've met a couple of people throughout okay. my life who are like, I don't know, music's fine. I'm not like really a big fan of music. And, um, we didn't connect okay. <laughs> as you can imagine. Um, which I'm, I'm, I think that's okay to not love music, but I think, most people have a yeah. favorite artist, a favorite band, right. a favorite song, something, some sort of um, tether. And that that is a thread through all of us. Yeah. And it keeps us tethered whether we like it or not. Yeah. And I was thinking about this before we I, we started. It's like, what are the similarities between the two genres I've done? Yeah. And, and it is like authenticity because pop punk, you know, they can sniff something a mile away if you're not being real if you're right, not right, authentic right. if you're just faking it for the trend and same thing with with country i mean i feel like people want to know that you're you're an authentic person that you're the same person in the interviews on stage as you are with your family at home um and the stories you're telling whether whether those stories to you are authentic authentic or not because yeah. a lot of people sing outside songs mm -hmm. um at least the fact that you can feel and empathize with the yes. story you're telling. So I think that that's what like both of those genres have that well, I love. Yeah. I think you're pulling out a theme though that I think is just so needed today in culture and in the working world for people who are working in organizations or large companies. It is this whole notion of authenticity. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I want to recognize too what you said just before when you talked about switching back over and the lessons that you learned, especially here in the Ville, which mm -hmm. is around the ability to tell a story. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's such a critical skill, period. Yeah. Right? You don't have to be an artist and a singer. Right. However, you know, I think in the world today, whatever it is that you're passionate about, what it is that you're doing, um, when you can tell the story from your perspective, and I'm using the authenticity word, mm -hmm. it goes much further faster mm -hmm. when you can frame it in that way. And people... No, you're not BSing them, right? That it's actually coming from your heart, yeah. not from like, I'm making this up because I think you're going to listen to me because of this. <laughs> but no, it's more about like, let me tell you a story about what's going on or yeah. why we're working on this, et cetera, and why it's important to me. Yeah. So I love that you said that because I think it's, while you learn that here in the Ville, I think it's an important lesson for anyone. Yeah, I agree. You know, yeah. in terms of like, whatever you want to do next, learn that too, mm -hmm. right? Am I... Does that resonate for people? I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it just reminded me. So um, I actually have been in acting classes for like a year and a oh half. Oh, my goodness. And okay. Amazing. I love it so much. Um, and it's it's a I'm pursuing acting and when obviously there's a strike, so not the best timing, but eventually. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that as you were talking, I was like, oh, my God, this this totally applies to acting is like you're gonna play a character that's like a murderer yeah. or something yeah, that you've never yeah. done like yeah. obviously I've never killed anyone so how am I gonna right. connect with this person and how am I going to make this performance authentic and that is such a huge part of the work in acting too is um 
finding something that you can relate to to this character and like some sometimes there's this this foundation um of like a, a, a serial killer where yeah. they're like they just want to be loved and they just want and they they obviously are they've got some yeah, issues yeah, yeah, yeah. um but the the root of the reason they're doing things and like what we strive to find in that character is like okay what's what are, why are they killing people okay let's go with this and then it's like well i can relate to that yeah i i've been in positions where i've been desperate for love because of x y and z yeah. and then you then you're in then you're in and then you're like okay i can play this character authentically and i've i've just learned that over like just the course of a year and a half of these classes and it's been so cool because it's again yeah. it's another industry where authenticity matters yeah. even if you're acting i agree i think authenticity matters period in life mm -hmm. and i love that you're saying this like connecting into the why yeah and then meeting people where they're at i know you're talking about meeting a character where they're at but yeah. like tapping into the why yeah you know and especially when a lot of change is happening you know i know leaders know this but like get into the why right mm -hmm. and then and what motivates people as well to help yeah. bring them along or all come along as a group to accomplish whatever whatever it is you're accomplishing. Yeah, for sure. Um, I have two more questions. I'm realizing we're probably going to be coming towards the top of the hour. Mm -hmm. One is like if you we've talked about so many amazing themes today, but if there's like one piece of wisdom or advice that to those who are listening and watching right now, and then for those who are going to play later, you know, and then the replay, like what advice do you want to put out there <sighs> into the culture cast on like, okay, what is the one thing, if you could boil it down, that you can do to just create these amazing cultures? Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, I don't know if this is just advice or if this yeah. is just um, something that I did that I'm proud that I did because it made me feel uncomfortable. Um, so I had a conversation with, with someone um, a couple of years ago about like, I really want to be intentional with who I'm hiring and um, I want black musicians and yeah. um, indigenous musicians and yes. other people of color in my band and, and my crew. And, but I don't want it to be transactional. And I feel like, I don't know, I'm just, I don't want to, it to feel like people are, I don't want people to feel tokenized. I don't totally. know how to do this. Yeah. And the person that I talked to, she was like, it's okay if it's transactional at first, because honestly, people just need jobs. They need to feed their families. I and then it. I promise you, yeah. it won't feel like it because you're going to, you're doing it out of like the goodness of your heart and you're like going to connect with these people and you're going to be like, wow, this is awesome. And um, I got access to um, a, a database of black musicians. Amazing. And in Nashville, unfortunately, you have to do something like that yeah. to find people because it's, it's like no one has black musicians on tour and yeah. country music it's just like there's like maybe it's a few. really unusual really yeah, unusual yeah, yeah, yeah. which is awful um so i looked at this database looking through it, and i'm like oh my god like yeah and so i have my bass players carl who's amazing and my drummer who is is actually he's in a band now called the, the, the orphan the poet and killing it um both black musicians both people i found on the database and that i love dearly that i'm like oh my god those are my guys if yeah. they're available those are my guys and so um i guess the advice there is it, it, even if it feels uncomfortable at first yeah um obviously don't do it to look better or to um boast about it but if you're doing it because you believe in anti-racism and you yeah. believe in like oh i want to cultivate yes. this community and this environment where 
this is normal. Like black musicians are yeah, normal. Yeah. Like right, that, right. they exist. They're they are the like yeah. the the creators of genres of music. Like hello, um, then it just like maybe it'll just start to be normal yeah. to country crowds and and maybe more people will start to bring people on tour who don't look like them and so it just you know I, that felt weird at first and then it's just and then I actually was asked by Carl and and Christian yeah um how did you find us and I was like <laughs> well um it's it's a database yeah. and they're like oh yeah, yeah yeah we we like we were we know we're on that we like they wouldn't have us on there if we didn't know about it yeah like, oh okay cool um, so even if it feels new to you and feels weird and uncomfortable, yeah. um, I still think that you should be more intentional. I, I love that advice of being intentional and actually, it, it wasn't transactional. I hear you, your friend said, oh, it's going to feel transactional. But the thing is you've now created relationships there. Mm. This is part of, um, a family or a cohort of people that you brought together and work together. So it's not like a transactional, oh, I'll just, you know, one thing and then we're done. Yeah. No, you are building and, you know, and tracking with people, which I think is amazing. Yeah. And also standing up for who you are and what you believe, right? So I think that's really important yeah. too to take action and show that action. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I love I think that. That's, yeah. You like summarized yeah. it so much better than I could. No, I'm just listening <laughs> to you. And then I always like to end on like a fun fact with just culture in general. What are yeah. you, who are you listening to? What are you watching? What are you wearing? What are you eating? Like, what are you loving these days? Could be any one of those categories. Oh, okay. Um, I'm, I'm a sucker for Bravo TV. So I love all me the too. housewives. Oh my gosh. Me Obsessed. too. Love it. I mean, do you like the new uh, New York cast, the I New York do. City. Yeah, right. I'm like they're this is bringing fresh take. it. So good. I think so. Yeah. The, anyway, all the fights yeah. are like not too heavy. That's good. Um, I so I love that. Yeah. In culture, um, I, uh, the music side of things, I tend to I, I there's some new stuff that I love. Like I love Olivia Rodrigo. So she, I love her new yes. album Guts. Um, I love this band Water Parks. Their album Intellectual Property is great. Love Taylor Acorn. Um, but I also kind of go backwards. I've okay. been listening to, I actually just yesterday was listening to this band. I am the avalanche that came out with this album when I was like in high school. So no way. sometimes yeah. I like to get nostalgic. Um, as far as like other cultural things, I love NPR. Um, okay. when I'm in the car, I tend to listen to that more so than music because I just get like burnt out yeah. with, with music sometimes. Um, I I love high waisted anything. Okay, please cool. no more low waisted. It's I see it creeping back and I just I don't want it. Um, it looks good on other people, not <laughs> right? me. Right. Um, and I love avocado toast. I yeah. feel like that's like been a cultural phenomenon the past. It's five been a, years? It's, yeah, been at least five years. I at least. My favorite is um, where I really fell in love with it was in New York versus California. Uh, interesting. Yeah, there's this little coffee shop in Midtown called Blank Slate. Oh, nice. And they have like the best avocado toast that has a little bit of honey and a little bit of chili flakes oh, on it. See, the honey is the, the, right? that's the special sauce. Yeah. I agree. Honey on, on avocado toast. Yeah, I'm a fan too of mm -hmm. avocado toast. It's so good. So good. And I know that it cut. I don't know, never know how to say it. Yeah. Cacio de pepe. Cacio de pepe, which is um, cheese and pepper, like that. Mm -hmm. the, the pasta. The pasta. That has, like, always been a thing because my family, yeah. I'm Italian. My okay. family's Italian. But it has become mainstream. It's in every Italian restaurant now. Okay, now more than ever, actually. More than ever. I know. And, and there's, like, 
recipes on every on every platform love that trend love that cultural trend actually i love that too it's so funny because cacio e pepe you can actually get the real thing obviously if you're in rome or you know somewhere um in italy Mm -hmm. but i agree with you i think now more than ever too i'm seeing it on more italian restaurant um, menus and i've also seen it on um we were at an italian restaurant in newport beach they had cacio e pepe octopus does that make sense whoa and they also in new york although it was at the gramercy and i um no the gramercy rose hotel which uh-huh. no longer is in existence but they had an italian restaurant too a couple of years ago where it was cacio e pepe eggs interesting yeah so, so like without good. the pasta but with yeah, the other that flavor fixins. oh yeah okay i gotta try that yeah i feel you on that nice well um Cassidy, I this time has just gone by so quickly. I know. I so appreciate you for doing this, but even more as a human being. Thank, Thank you, you so you much. You too. This was so awesome. Yeah, Thank you for having so me. So fun. And for those whose comments we weren't able to like spend a whole lot of attention to, <laughs> you know, I'm so sorry. Although Tony Hordasco. I love this as a bottle rat. <laughs> I see this every day, Marisa. Tony, so Tony and I go way back. He Aww. As it was at Red Bull, and he is like this uber marketer, but he's nice. OG Red Bull when the brand first came to the United States. So. Oh, cool. Tony, I know that you've been coming to Culture Cast. I love that you're just saying this. Aww, um, he's amazing. such a good dude. Yeah. I mean, I love everyone who jumps onto these. And, you know, Trisha, I know, was just on there. We used to work together. We were colleagues. Michael is on here, too. Like, mm-hmm. it's great to see people who are like our big fans of yours. That's amazing. So nice. Thanks, everyone. I love it. This is cool. Well, um, thank you, everybody. Thank you, thank you. I heart you, Cassidy. You're I amazing. Heart you, Marisa. Thank um, you. And I think that's it for now. That is Culture Cast for today, everyone. I'm just trying to think of the next time we're going to be together. We've got a couple coming up, and normally I'm really good with the dates, but mm-hmm. one that's coming up a month from now, we'll probably have one before then, is with Oscar Munoz, who is the former chairman and CEO of United Airlines. That's so hopefully you awesome. all can jump on. But in the meanwhile, how can people get a hold of you? Um, I'm on all the platforms. Okay. Uh, it's, it's just at Cassidy Pope on everything. My okay. website is, is Cassidy.com. And yeah, I'm, I'm on TikTok, Instagram, oh, Twitter, okay. threads, all that. Love it. Yeah. Okay, everyone, please reach out to Cassidy. Thank you again. Thank you. And um, that's it for now, everyone. Be well. Take care. Bye. Bye, everyone. Oh, oh yeah. Outro. Outro. Love it. <laughs> it's a vibe. Right? Oh, that's cool. I don't know where that was coming from. <laughs> yeah. I think that, I think it might be. It's okay. We get to hear the outro, though. Oh, it's like going back and forth between my ears.